Hello, I'm Mike Baselli, your host for this podcast and the global community that has rallied around it. During this expert coronavirus update, we spent time with a highly admired physician turned executive to discuss the reopening of the healthcare system after being shuttered due to COVID-19. Dr. Randy Hawkins is a chief medical officer at Consumer Medical, an organization that collaborates with health plans, employers, and a host of partner providers to help participants navigate the ever-complex healthcare system and access care from the highest quality providers, leading to better health outcomes and lower costs. While together, Dr. Hawkins shared how Consumer Medical is meeting its members' needs during the pandemic and discussed the organization's recent study of the impact the virus has had on elective surgery demand and how industry leaders can manage it. I'm thankful for Dr. Hawkins and his team's leadership as they continue to help steward the health of over 4 million Americans across our country during these unprecedented times. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Dr. Hawkins, welcome to our podcast, and thank you for being with us today amidst the coronavirus pandemic. Good afternoon, Mike. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Well, now that our nation is beginning to open back up, that means our healthcare industry is also doing the same. I'm looking forward to learning from you and how Consumer Medical is helping employers and payers to empower employees to get the right treatment of care during these trying times. But before we dive into this important conversation, Dr. Hawkins, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please make sure to join our free online community at passionatepioneers.com in order to share feedback and ideas and interact with the global ecosystem. If you're listening to this episode via our online community, thank you for being with us. And lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, Dr. Hawkins, I'd first like to start by asking you where things currently stand for the healthcare industry as we begin opening the country back up during the coronavirus pandemic. I'll open up broadly and let you take it from there. Thanks, Mike. You've asked a good question because the healthcare industry involves not only our settings of care, but also the benefits folks at the large employer groups and payer organizations uh, that you described. And what I've seen happen, we have a large number of clients that consumer medical, well over 200 large employer groups and payer clients. And I've seen them step through over the last three or four months, a number of different things, leading them to where they are now. I've seen them adapt overnight. And think about that for a second. We often adapt over time. And we've been asked as a nation to adapt overnight to this viral pandemic. And what I've seen in the healthcare industry are, are really three things. The healthcare industry and large employer and payer groups have immediately pivoted to thoughts of business continuity and remote workforces and travel restrictions and inactivity of customer bases all overnight. And they've sort of reinvented themselves out of necessity in a very short period of time. The second thing that I see is they're trying to figure out, okay, how long is this going to last? And all of these changes that I've made, are they going to persist? 
And do I have to do this for a long ter- period of time? And if so, how do I sustain my changes? And in answer to your question, I think where they are now is in this third phase, which is, as everyone's aware, this phased reopening of our economy and the businesses there within. And there's a new world. There are new rules. There are new things that folks need to adhere to. And I see among our clients and in the healthcare industry, okay, what are the rules of physical distancing and testing recommendations and guidelines? What are the mandates surrounding testing? How do we contact trace if we get a positive case? And all the things that are necessary to peacefully coexist with this new world. That's what I see happening today. And it's been our history at Consumer Medical to try to help and assist in sort of a longitudinal fashion for any and all conditions, but now with a focus on COVID-19 in these trying times. And you guys have been doing a lot of great work in regards to responding to COVID-19 and putting out a lot of resources into the marketplace, into the hands of your customers and your clients and otherwise. But before we go there, Dr. Hawkins, you've also recently released a white paper regarding the impact of COVID-19 on elective surgery demand. Can you share a bit more about the findings of that white paper and how consumers and payers are adjusting to these issues, given what you learned in this white paper? Yeah, good question, Mike. We did. And let me start by saying we didn't do it in a shotgun approach. We had specific goals and objectives, and they were really just a few. We basically wanted to understand the extent of any and all delayed elective surgeries. And by that, I mean, you know, the general categories of knee surgery, hip surgery, back surgery, bariatric surgery, or weight loss surgery, and finally, the, the whole idea of an elective hysterectomy. So we wanted to know, because we, we appreciated that a large percentage of these were being delayed necessarily out of the federal and state guidelines which said, don't do elective surgeries, and we need to save the resources for the pandemic. So once we figured out what the extent of the delayed surgeries were, then we wanted to know what the downstream implications would be of this pent-up demand. There are people sitting around waiting to have previously scheduled surgery that they can't have. What would we see downstream from that in terms of increased costs or differences in patient outcomes once uh, the dam was reopened? And thirdly, we wanted to know what could large employer and payer groups do in order to sort of mitigate the risk and challenge of these evolving trends of higher costs and questionable outcomes because people are sitting on their hands waiting to have these elective procedures. So what we did is we quickly, Mike, we looked at a large national database um, in retrospect, comparing uh, 2019 data to the data we had seen in the March time frame, March April time frame, frame of 2020. And when we were looking at that data, we were trying to look at the incidence rates of these, you know, five categories of surgeries that I outlined, and what the potential outcome would be of having these procedures delayed, and what the cost would be. And what we found was startling. We looked at this national database and then applied what we found in terms of incidence rates to the total number of employees nationwide as reported by the United States Bureau of Labor Statistics. And we found in 2019, employers spent upwards of $100 billion on elective surgery. And over the 24-year history of consumer medical, we figured out that 30 to 31% of elective surgeries year over year are surgeries that may have been unnecessary and may have been avoided if folks have been able to participate in programs 
where they had education, information sharing, and surgery decision or treatment decision support. So $30 billion of the $100 billion spent in 2019 represents an opportunity. And we thought about, okay, with this opportunity to save all of this money and to improve all of these outcomes, how could consumer medical help? In the white paper, we found that there were so many things that were happening around the country because of the shelter in place, the stay at home orders, and the delayed surgery that were working against cost containment and improved outcomes. Some of those things are obvious, right? Just because you're told you can't have your surgery for knee pain doesn't mean that your knee stops hurting. And for that reason, folks are being introduced to narcotic therapy and pain relievers uh, to get them through a prolonged period of not having their surgery. And these opioids can actually drive up hospital stay lengths, the cost of procedures, the cost of hospitalizations, and all of these things are working against these folks getting the surgery they need in a timely fashion for a total benefit and lower cost of care. So we found really interesting things about delayed surgeries and what forces were going to be in play once the economy and our healthcare system reopened. I'll leave you with these three things, Mike. We see three forces coming together um, in this pent-up demand paradigm that are going to drive up costs and potentially have an adverse effect on outcomes. The three things we see are well, necessarily there are going to be an increased number of cases. There's a backlog. There are people that had scheduled surgeries that don't have them performed in a timely fashion. And there are those new folks who have new disease or ongoing disease. You know, now's the time for them to have surgery. So we're going to see new cases. We're also going to see that the cases that were scheduled, the patients themselves have gotten worse over time throughout this delay. So the severity of the treatment needed is going to be increased and the cost associated with those procedures will also increase. And finally, we got to remember the healthcare system is still um, primarily focused on doing good for those people who need our help. But there are business needs of the healthcare system. So you're going to see as the economy reopens and our healthcare system reopens that there's going to be a push by surgeons, facilities, um, and even device manufacturers that are going to say, you know what? We got to get back to the business of the business. And they're going to be encouraging folks to sign up for their surgery. And that may lead to folks jumping to have surgery instead of thinking the process through. And is there anything that you're starting to see as well? How, how is the industry getting ready and prepared for that surge? Is there anything that you're seeing different than, you know, pre-COVID, if you will? Or how are we getting ready for this surge, if, if anything? Yeah, great question. Um, I am seeing a couple of things that are different than the pre-COVID days. Um, we always talk about access to care. And when you're talking about the primary care specialties, we think of patient panels. And the great example is when you're looking for a primary care physician, you, you always have to um, understand and appreciate whether or not they're taking new patients. Well, that's not the case with surgical specialties, right? They never close their surgical panel. They just push out scheduled surgeries for the folks that they don't have room to do this week, next week, or next month. What's interesting now is we're seeing, and to your question about preparing for the new world, is we're seeing surgical practices reaching out, not only to their backlog of patients, but to new patients and saying, hey, we're open. Come on, let's have your surgery. If you were thinking about it, come in for an office visit and let's get you scheduled. 
So we're seeing this proactive outreach in order to, like I said, jumpstart uh, their machine, if you will, in order for folks to have uh, the surgery they need. But we're seeing it happen in a more um, targeted and a more proactive phase. They're not calling folks that are having chest pain for heart surgery. They're calling elective surgery candidates who may consider um, not having the surgery because they're afraid to go to the hospital or they don't know if the surgical suite is reopened. So they're being more aggressive to get the pump prime. And you also mentioned, as an example, maybe an increased use of, of narcotics or opioids to help delay, again, like that use case of a, of a knee surgery. I also want to talk about the stark realities of where we are as a country, massive unemployment right now. Obviously, that means loss of benefits and, and the opportunity to receive care. Dr. Hawkins, how do you see all of these different forces in society play out to that patient who did need that surgery, but maybe now can't, doesn't have the resources to get it? What does that look like in this new world of very high unemployment still changing rapidly in regards to society writ large? Where do you see things heading with all of these very big forces in our country right now? Yeah, you're describing the, the compound effect of the economy shutting down, job losses, benefit losses, fears of reentering into targeted areas that may be concentrated with viral load. You're exactly right. What I see is these forces coming together and necessarily um, magnifying a trend that we're seeing uh, in the early and mid stages of this pandemic. And here's what I mean by that. The data is clear that folks with pre-existing conditions, chronic conditions, um, who have uh, always leaned upon disease management um, protocols and procedures and guidelines have stepped out of the healthcare system because of these fears, these uncertainties, loss of benefits, and the inability to pay. And folks are starting to um, retrench to their homes instead of seeking much-needed care. All of these things are pushing folks out of the healthcare system, away from the healthcare system, and away from areas of need in their chronic condition management to an adverse effect. So what I see, Mike, is I see in the short to midterm, the patients that we see for the chronic conditions that we know being sicker, being more adversely affected by this pandemic than the younger or healthier members of our communities. And because of that, we, we're going to see um, greater severities of um, conditions and cases, greater requirements in terms of intervention, and extending the cost of those conditions um, a greater period of time to a greater extent. Things are going to cost more because we're going to have to do more. We've always encouraged at Consumer Medical that this pandemic not cause you to shelter from care, but to shelter from virus. And if you need care, if you have symptoms, please seek those um, individuals out in your healthcare community but to make sure you don't get worse um, instead of getting better. Well, and you and the team at Consumer Medical have been doing a wonderful job of being proactive and in developing resources, getting them out in the marketplace, hosting weekly, sometimes biweekly webinars and, and other kinds of content to really help be proactive during these times. So I do salute you and the team for that. But before we go there and, and do talk a little bit about your support centers and what you're doing, uh, you know, tactically for your members and for your clients, maybe Dr. Hawkins, you can give us the quick elevator pitch of what Consumer Medical is. You guys 
have been at it for almost 25 years now. So if you could give us that little quick elevator pitch, and then we're going to dive into the support centers that Consumer Medical has activated, give it COVID-19. So love to hear the elevator pitch first. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Yeah, I think it would be good background to talk about what we're doing today, because you're right. 24 years this past April, Consumer Medical has been this clinical advocacy company. And by that, I mean, we don't practice medicine, but we support in longitudinal fashion any and all members or participants in our program for our large employer groups and payer groups. And we take care of about four to four and a half million folks that we serve across our client base. And what we do is we optimize what we consider to be the five drivers of quality of care, the diagnosis, the doctor, the treatment, the facility, and the coping mechanisms that folks um, use to deal with illness. So we advocate for their best care by information sharing, giving them information about their condition, getting them to the highest quality physicians in their network, making sure their treatment is the best literature-supported, evidence-based treatment they can be getting for their condition or the procedure they need, making sure they go to a center of excellence that sees the most and does the most for whatever it is they need done. And finally, making sure they have access to resources at their employer, in their communities, and with consumer medical to get them through a potentially life-altering or life-threatening condition. And the last thing I'll say is, over 24 years, we've grown up to supporting any and all conditions. So there's never a reason that you would call in to Consumer Medical or contact us through our portal and we couldn't help you because we help with all conditions. Fast forward to where we are now, we've just carved out this COVID-19 pandemic as a specialized area of focus for us, still taking care of any and all other conditions. So that's what we do in life. Well, and let's talk about that because it is, it's wonderful if, uh, you know, I know we'll have some uh, touch points online where we can find all of these resources. You'll share out uh, more of that uh, in, in a moment. But over at your COVID-19 support center states, it, it, COVID, uh, Consumer Medical is your trusted source for accurate data information, support and guidance on the COVID-19 virus. And the, the COVID-19 support center includes up to the minute information on the virus, access to weekly webinars with an opportunity to ask questions of top doctors and connecting with your your clinical team at Consumer Medical for more personalized support. I got to tell you, I've been reviewing this uh, support center and Dr. Hawkins, it is a wonderful um, area for content resources and for members in the, in the folks you serve around the country as a place to come and, and really uh, better themselves to be prepared for these new realities. Dr. Hawkins, you want to talk a little bit more of how this got going? Uh, you know, why did you guys invest in it so quickly? Like I said, it's very thorough, very in-depth. There's a lot going on here. Give us a little bit of that backstory of, of, of when you started thinking about the support center, what you've been seeing coming out of it uh, with the members that you serve. Would love to hear a little bit more about this COVID-19 support center. You know, thanks, Mike, because you're, you're right. Um, it's something that we um, stood up and we moved to and we learned with um, in very rapid fashion. And the, the backstory is really just the simple description that I gave you earlier. We have always been a third-party, independent, trusted advisor um, for millions of people across the country. We have a participant in our program in every zip code in the United States. And as we've grown up to be this trusted advisor, folks answer the phone when we call. They stay on the phone when we're talking, and they always call us back for more information. And when the COVID-19 pandemic hit, we thought collectively, almost at the same time 
uh, within the walls of consumer medical. Well, this is what we have to do. We, this, we're who people turn to for this um, accurate information, as you described, for these resources and for timely information that is um, not clouded by bias or politics or anything. Um, so we stood this up because we were asked by our large employer groups. They call us and say, you know, we call you for everything. Can we call you for this? We said, absolutely. So we put together this, as you're describing, a multimodal resource because we know people like to ingest and interact with information in different forms. So we do have posted articles. We have links to other articles, videos uh, that we make to help talk, you know, talking to your children about COVID-19. How do you cope with a pandemic? Things of that nature. And we also have blogs. And like you said, we've had this weekly webinar series, which we stood up and my colleague and good friend, Cindy Slater, who's a physician um, and the senior vice president of medical affairs at Consumer Medical, she and I would get on a live webinar every week, every Wednesday. And we thought it was going to be a clinical discussion. You know, tell us about the virus. How does it act in the body? What do I do to avoid it? Things like that. But what we noticed, Mike, is very quickly, the question sets that we were getting from participants live were more focused on how do I deal with the things in my daily life and the things in my daily work now that there's this pandemic surrounding me. The discussions became lively and energetic about these activities. Well, my, my husband or wife is a doctor or a nurse and they come home. Do we have to isolate them every day? What do we do with their clothes? How do I go to the grocery store? Is standing in line okay? Do I wear a mask or don't I? Does it really help or does it not? So the support center and the webinars, Mike, turned into this forum of information sharing and longitudinal support um, that we really focused on and has helped uh, countless people over the course of, I'd say, probably the last nine weeks or so, maybe 10 weeks. Yeah, it's wonderful. And keep it up. And I'm imagining guys will continue to invest in it as we, uh, you know, continue to navigate through the pandemic, because you know, as well as I do, this is not going anywhere anytime soon. So your work with the support center is, uh, will continue to be needed and it is needed now more than ever. So great job with that over there, Dr. Hawkins. Again, we're going to talk about where we can find all that online here shortly. But one, one area I'd like to also discuss as we wind things down here, you know, amidst one of my mentors uh, as being an entrepreneur, he always said to me, amidst great chaos presents great opportunity. And one thing that I'm seeing, Dr. Hawkins, where I think there's a, a, a phoenix already starting to rise out of these ashes is obviously telemedicine and, and telehealth. From your perspective, Dr. Hawkins, and the perspective coming from consumer medical, given this crisis, give, given this pandemic, are you seeing anything, and it may still be, you know, well into the future, but are you seeing anything positive from your side of the table or your camp that is arising out of these, you know, big uh, ash pile that is COVID-19? I do, Mike, and you touched upon it um, very succinctly, and it, it speaks to telemedicine. At Consumer Medical we are a tele-advocacy company. We're not a telemedicine company. But in answer to your question, I think that that represents one of the great areas of insight and opportunity uh, in our country coming out of this pandemic, which is the promotion and wide dissemination of telemedicine um, opportunities for providers and for patients alike. The back, the history of telemedicine is that of low acuity care at a distance common conditions being treated from afar because they could. I think what's happened with this pandemic, with the relaxing of some regulations, 
the willingness and ability of more platforms in telemedicine to stand up and the access of providers being greater for a wider variety of conditions, I think is here to stay. And I'm encouraged by that. I like that because I think there has always been an opportunity for us to expand the coverage of telemedicine services um, in support of a greater number of conditions with a wider severity. And I, I think we're now recognizing and appreciating out of need comes innovation. And we needed to have folks gain access um, to care across a wider variety of conditions during this pandemic. And I think it's here to stay, and I think it's the right result. And from this pivot to telemedicine being more foundational in our healthcare delivery system, I think the innovation and the next step, Mike, might be for specialty care to go the way of virtual care and telemedicine um, to some extent in the not-too-distant future. So I think that's a big step for us. Well, thank you for that. And I'm sure uh, one of our previous guests, uh, Ann Mon Johnson, the CEO of the American Telemedicine Association, she will certainly be jumping up and down after she hears your episode on our podcast, because obviously uh, this is right in her wheelhouse. And she has just been such a champion for so many of us around the nation in regards to telehealth and, and continuing to grow that area of care for many citizens around our country. So I'm glad to hear how you frame that up is that you guys are the advocates and, and really appreciate your, your dedication and attention to it because it is more important now than ever as we continue to see the world change rapidly in front of us. So thank you for that, Dr. Hawkins. Well, let's uh, maybe uh, list out a couple touch points where our community can get a hold of you, can get a hold of Consumer Medical and, and really take advantage of all of these incredible resources that you just outlined for us. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate the opportunity. It's been a pleasure to be on with you today. Um, we do have a, a a public area of our website for the COVID-19 Support Center. And you can always contact and reach the Support Center and us at Consumer Medical um, on www.consumermedical.com or by calling us at our number 877-229-7780. Again, the number is 877-229-7780. And we look forward to hearing from folks because we're learning uh, as we go, we don't have it all figured out, but every day is a school day and we go to school every day. So thank you, Mike. Well, I love it. And we'll also have all of those resources that Dr. Hawkins uh, outlined for us just now over on our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. There'll be an entire article posted for Dr. Hawkins episode, again, with all of those resources he just listed out. So, well, Dr. Hawkins, I, I know you and the team are incredibly busy over there. I'm grateful for you taking a pit stop and spending time with myself and our community here at Passionate Pioneers. Thank you for all of the work happening over at Consumer Medical and your dedication dedication to continue to be great advocates and supporters of health for many, many citizens around our nation. Thank you for all that you're doing, Dr. Hawkins, and thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.